0: Marlon, thank you so much for coming on to Startup Steroid today. Uh, I'm really excited to share your story and the work you're doing with NextCube. We're going to get, get into a lot of details from the founder perspective, from investor perspective. We're going to share all of those details today. But before we get into all of that, introduce yourself. Tell us a little bit about your background.
1: Sure. Yeah. And thanks for thanks for having me. Um, so I'm originally a, an East Coaster, grew up in, in Maryland, but came out to... Uh, go to school at Stanford, fell in love with the Bay Area, never never left. <laughs> um, and since, since I've been out of here, had some time working at big corporate like HP and their social innovation and uh, social innovation work. Um, and then also after leaving HP, went to work at a company called GSV Labs, which is now called One Valley. Um, but when I was there, the focus was really on working with with startups and corporations, helping them along their, their innovation journey from early days just getting started to Fortune, Fortune 500 companies. Um, had a lot of fun working at, at GSV, but now I'm at, at Nextcube. It's been here for, gosh, a over, little over three years now and um, really enjoying our, our work here. We're investing in, in early stage startups and helping them grow and scale their businesses
0: awesome so with gsv what was sort of the role you were playing what was uh what was the day-to-day like
1: yeah so i was the the ceo there so i was doing a lot of nothing maybe but, uh, <laughs> um no it was it was early days similar to when i started at at uh, nextcube the company had been around just about a year or so when i when i joined so it was really about getting the operation up and running we had a facility um, in, in Redwood City, and um, it was a kind of a WeWork plus play where we were uh, selling, selling space, but then offering premium acceleration services to our, right. to our clients. And so uh, I re- realized that I wasn't a, a real estate guy, and um, after we had opened up operations in, in Boston and closed out our Series B, I was ready for a new challenge.
0: Fantastic. So you joined uh, Nextcube uh, and, and now uh, with Nextcube, I think it was a similar story, right? It, it was around for a few years. I know we had operations in Southern California. What was sort of the initial role that you sort of envisioned and you took on?
1: Yeah, the, the neat thing about it is they were they were looking for a CEO and had really built a great foundation on how they viewed startup acceleration, which really resonated with me in the sense that everything that we were doing was with this concept of putting the entrepreneur first. And so if we were going through an acceleration program, and as we all know, there are thousands of them out there, what would we want to, you know, get out of it? And what would the process, you know, look like? So we, you know, uh, jumping into it and seeing that they had made the program uh, virtual in the sense that you didn't need to move. This is pre COVID. Um, so we were virtual before it was cool to be virtual, um, <laughs> but they uh, didn't require founders to you know uproot their families and move. We had offices in both San Diego and San Francisco, so you could participate remotely. Uh, it wasn't a one size fits all curriculum; it was fully customized to meet the needs of the startups. Because when I in my work with, with companies, you just hear a lot of feedback around. Yeah, I went through this program. uh, Ten percent of what I was uh, getting from it was hyper relevant, and so it was worth that I went through it. But ninety percent of it wasn't, and so we try to flip that on its on its head and say, okay, let's just create a structure where everything that we're providing to the entrepreneur is getting them one step closer to where you know they want to be. And then the last kind of really neat component of it was. many accelerators are, are mentor volunteer driven. So the, the groups that are really providing a lot of the value, you know, they may, you know, decide to go to Cabo or they may not have the same amount of time that you would want to be able to spend with the, with the companies, or they're really just kind of meeting once a month and checking in for lunch. Like our program, we have advisors who we pay um, to hit the KPIs that the companies are, are looking to us to, you know, to realize. And so through the course of our four-month four program, not only are we holding the startups accountable to what they are looking to accomplish, but we can hold our advisors accountable because we're providing them you know, with compensation. So those kind of nuances to the program, I think, have really positioned us for, to be really successful.
0: I think that's fantastic. And I I, I love what NextCube is doing. I've been looking at a couple of the portfolio companies that that you guys have already uh, worked with and committed to. Um, So tell me what sort of what you look for in the founders and in the startups to Mm -hmm. sort of make sure that they're ready for you and that you are ready for them, right?
1: yeah and so we start really early. We're at that pre seed seed stage, so we're not looking at a tremendous track record prior to them coming to to us so a lot of what we're investing in, and I know many investors you know say that, but we are really placing our bet on the founders um and looking at the team and seeing is is this um a team that's in place to be able to execute what they're trying to. Trying to accomplish so that's really the major component of the evaluation. Of course, we're then looking at markets and the opportunity set and product market fit and all that you know, good stuff that you know all investors will want to take a look at. But at the end of the day, is this somebody who we think is willing to be coached? Is is coachable? Um, because our value add there's a cash component to it, but it really is the advisory kind of technical support that we have and so for founders that are just coming literally looking for a check and then they want to move on that's typically not a good fit for us but for the ones that are like you know hey they can identify these are the three things that i could really use help on i don't have all the answers and you may not have all the answers but together we can kind of figure this out those end up being the the perfect fit for us
0: fantastic and and i know Going into the summer, um, you there are a couple of industries that are sort of top of mind for you: uh, mm-hmm. healthcare, fintech. Um, mm-hmm. Tell us a little bit about sort of what you're envisioning for this next cohort that you're trying to put together.
1: Yeah, so when we first started, we were industry agnostic, more focused on the underlying technologies. It was the company using artificial intelligence, machine learning, blockchain, AR, VR, etc.? Which was great um, because it allowed us to get an understanding of how those technologies were disrupting these legacy industries. But the challenge um, came about in that it was difficult because we are so fully customized to be able to get a really good understanding and go down deep in all of the various sectors, whether it's retail or education or what have you. And so what we decided to do is create what we call centers of excellence around kind of key verticals where we can do a really deep dive, identify the investors in that uh, industry that are focused on that area, um, corporations that we can partner with to be a part of our program, and then finding subject matter experts in those areas such that when we go to the founder, we can say, not only can we provide you with the more general a startup one-on-one founder support but we know the customers that you're trying to reach we know the experts in those fields and we can help get you connected in with them and so over the last few years we launched a digital health uh, center of excellence and then last year we launched a fintech uh, program and uh, while we have a more kind of specific thesis around uh, what we're trying to do, a lot of it is, you know, we're looking at digitally enabled kind of software-based business. We don't spend as much time on the hardware side unless there's a really strong kind of software kind of data component, you know, to the to the model. Um, and, yeah, we're looking at that stage of typically the companies have just – they've raised some friends and family, some angel funding, um, and are now looking to kind of raise that first – um, substantive 750 to $1 million type round. And we kind of put them on that path to, to get there during the, the four months. So that's kind of our sweet spot. There's um, an MVP, there's some fundraising traction, and now they're really looking to commercialize so that they can raise that larger round of, of capital.
0: Fantastic. Uh, And and I think uh, this whole idea of creating a center of excellence is such a great point. Uh, I know a lot of uh, accelerators don't necessarily uh, follow that model. And it's a huge disservice to the founder because now you're showing them how the business is done, but not necessarily showing them specific things about their industry. Right. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Uh, So I I, I love that uh, approach. that you guys are following. Um, As far as the process goes, let's dig in a little bit about what the founders can expect when they first reach out to uh, Nextcube.
1: Yeah. So they, you know, whether it's via our website or we also have an application on, on F success that if you search Nextcube, you'll find um, we'll, you know, take whatever information the the startup is able to provide at that point, whether it's an executive summary or a deck. And if we feel like, there's an alignment, how our centers of excellence are structured. We've hired uh, managing directors and program managers in each one of the sectors. So they'll review the kind of that initial information. And we don't want to put, you know, companies through the ringer if we don't think there's, there's an opportunity there. So once we've done kind of some initial kind of due diligence on the on the company, we'll invite them for a call where they can kind of share in a little bit more detail, you know, what they're building. Um, if we think that there's a uh, an opportunity, the company would be a good fit for our program. We'll invite them to, you know, do an official, you know, application and apply through the um, through the portal. And then what we like to say is that even if the company is an ultimately successful, uh, going uh, getting getting acceptance into our our program that they'll get a lot of value just in the process because we will start doing kind of a due diligence which a lot for many of the companies haven't received institutional funding you know yet so haven't gone through like what's a data room or what do i need to put in there and so we kind of put them through that process in a very you know friendly way we say hey look if you don't have the information don't try to create it overnight, but here are the types of things that, that investors are going to be, you know, asking for, and so um, we think that this, that process in and of itself is is good value for the uh, for the companies. But assuming that they they make it through uh, the process, and then it's then it's about identifying uh, how we can best, you know, help them during our our four month program. We we do start kind of an, in a cohort based. Uh, model. So for uh, fintech and digital health, the next cohort, we haven't finalized the dates just yet, but we'll would we'll launch in the fall. So now is a great time for founders who are in those uh, in those sectors to you know do a little research on NextCube, um NEX3.com, you know, read a little bit about how you know some our current portfolio and how we've helped companies and if it seems like it's a it's a fit, we would you know love to hear from them.
0: Absolutely. And we'll, we'll link all of those resources in the description below. So uh, if there are founders that are listening to this and want to get in touch with Nextcube or Marlin, uh, you can follow those links. Um, let's talk a little bit about what kind of uh, team uh, that's actually interacting with these founders. Um, mm-hmm. I know Harut is sort of a superstar in your company, but I want to sort of understand uh, that, that process, that due diligence process and, and uh, you know the team that you have working on that.
1: Yeah, so I, I mentioned our, our managing director and our program manager in each of the verticals. They're really the tip of the tip of the spear in terms of you know identifying those those opportunities or those, those companies that would be a good fit for our accelerator. Um, and so that is the initial interaction that the founders will have will okay. be with the, with the team. But as they go through the process and we're starting to get an understanding of what their needs are, we will bring in a subject matter expert. So if the company is, is, you know, it's a healthcare company and they're focused on selling into hospitals or if it's a company that's going to need to go through FDA, um, the FDA pr- regulation will bring in, you know, an expert in that area. So they would be helping to inform and make us um, get a better understanding of what the needs are kind of looking Three Six months ahead and saying, Okay, this is where the company needs to be. here are some of the things that they're going to need to be doing, so they'll interact with those uh, those advisors, and oftentimes it's that same advisor who we would then plug in with the company during their four months and that part of the model that I mentioned earlier where we're you know compensating our advisors, we really do want the teams to feel like that person is an extension of their team for that four months, and that they're rolling up their sleeves and getting Work done, whether that's you know helping them prepare for investor presentations or customer discovery meetings, um, or just thinking about their ideal customer profile, whatever that is, that person who we assign to the to the team, they're they're tasked with helping to make that make that happen. So we try to make the process as as painless as possible on the teams, and like I said, hopefully even if they're not ultimately successful in gaining acceptance in the program they got a lot of value out of it
0: absolutely and that's so important so that the founders actually get to know the people that they'll be working with once they're admitted into the program so yeah. that relationship starts to get built very early on right
1: well, and we talk about that a lot like it's it's double opt in right like what you're you're evaluating us the you being the founder as much as we're evaluating you and so throughout that process you should be as the founder thinking about okay is this somebody uh, is this an organization that i want to work with and are they going to really be able to help me move the the needle cuz it's it's definitely in order for this to work both both sides of the equation need to be coming to the table saying yes this is a really good fit and we can we can make it happen together and you know there are times where we say you know look we we don't think that we're in a position to be able to help you. We really like the, the company, but we're not, we don't have the the right person or the right, you know, uh, opportunity to get you get you off of the ground. And in the same way, you know, the teams may go through the process and, and say, you know what, I think I'm a little bit further along than what you guys are, are able to provide for me. And then they can go their separate ways. And either way for us, it's better to make that decision earlier than, you know, midway through the program. So uh, absolutely, we try to try to provide as much transparency upfront as possible.
0: Absolutely. And, you know, time commitment on both sides is very important. And that's yeah. precious. So you want to treat that with care. Um, what, what are the actual four months like? What, what, are they, what, what do the founders get uh, during that time?
1: Yeah, so I mentioned our our advisor, so they'll get yeah. you know that access to that person throughout the program and they, you know, depending on what the needs are of the company will completely kind of customized to to address that. Um we do have like the more horizontal programming, so we'll have different sessions if it's healthcare. Like I said, there may be a regulatory, you know, conversation. There could be you know things related on the legal legal side that we think is of value to all of the teams irrespective of you know their you know uh, specific you know needs at that you know at that point so there's kind of more of these informational sessions that are sprinkled throughout the uh, throughout the program um, but yeah a lot of it like I said is 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 fully is more customized so it could be that they're meeting with potential You know, customers—they're ready to have those conversations. It could be a lot of work behind the scenes getting them to that point. So, it all depends on where at what stage the company is is coming to us. But it's a lot of one-on-one meetings, uh, less structure on kind of the more formal sessions. But we do have those throughout the program, Um, and then kind of the the hall the guidepost throughout the program is that there's a kickoff. You know, f- first week where we're bringing all of the teams together, whether that's virtually or in person. We have a midpoint check-in where um, we're touching base with the teams and doing some more kind of group programming together. And then at the end of the four months, there's a demo day where they're pitching to investors and hopefully going out and raising a lot of money.
0: Fantastic! Yeah, and I've seen those demo days. Those are fantastic. Um, the so the interaction is sort of ongoing and. Um, I don't want to say daily, but at least you know every few days, someone is uh, reaching out to the founders and vice versa, right?
1: A hundred percent, and because it is, it is virtual, and a lot of it is happening over over Zoom. We do have those three per three in person checkpoints when we're able to get back to doing that, which we imagine we will in the fall. Um, yeah, so it's it's uh, structured around the schedules of the companies because again, part of the of what we're trying to do here is move them further along. So we don't want to pull them away from running their business, right. you know, a hundred percent of the time. So it's that balance of, you know, making sure you're doing the blocking and tackling necessary to grow your business while at the same time, you know, working with us to help you get, you know, accelerate that, that progress. And, you know, oftentimes um, just having somebody who is helping hold you accountable to your goals because, at the beginning at the kickoff, we're saying, okay, what is it that we're trying to accomplish? And you know, oftentimes we'll say, well, we want to get, you know, 10 deals signed this, you know, over the next four months. We say, great. Um, how many, uh, how many customers do you think you need to talk to, to get to 10? Right. And right. then they're thinking, Hmm, well, if my hit <laughs> rate is this, I got to talk to a thousand companies. It's like, what well, could you, I right. think you can talk to a thousand. Co- and so going through that process with them and just saying, you know, hey, let's create a realistic roadmap um, on what we can get done over the next four months is, is you know, uh, part and parcel to why we think we've been, you know, s- successful.
0: Absolutely. And that's so important, uh, creating that structure and, uh, you know, that framework for the founders because everyone wants that hockey stick, right? But uh, it, it's a lot of work and a lot of mm-hmm. sort of critical thinking to get to that point. Um, so that's fantastic that, uh, you know, you go through that process with the founders. Um, mm-hmm. Now you're actually investing in to these companies. So let's talk about the source of that capital. Also, mm-hmm. we have a bunch of investors that are watching this, this, uh, this video. So what is, what is sort of their uh, incentive and how do you sort of accept that? Let's talk about that structure a little bit
1: yeah we're we're a little uh you know unique in the sense that we're we're not a fund we're not organized as a fund, so there are no management fees and carry that um, our investors need to need to worry about or consider and we raise you know capital where primarily from high net worth individuals, family offices who want to get exposure to this early stage asset class but up until this point they've been maybe doing some angel investing you know here and there um they're not uh writing big enough checks to get into the large you know funds so you know it, it and they don't necessarily have the infrastructure to really do um you know, do this type of investing in a strategic way and so they'll invest money into next cubes own a piece of next cubed and so by extension a piece of our entire portfolio investments that we made on day one all the way till today and so they don't have to worry about whether they're in fund one fund two fund three it's all in one holding and when there's a liquidity event in the portfolio we pull that back into the holding company and then distribute the proceeds out pro rata to our to our shareholders so there's an opportunity for that ongoing liquidity. There's no kind of five, 10 year lockup, you know, none of that. They can start, you know, um, having seen some of that money come, you know, come back to them in the form of, of a dividend, if you will.
0: Absolutely. And that structure is so interesting because your portfolio is publicly available. People can yeah. see the companies you're invested in. So they already get a sense of what it will be like uh, to invest with you. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's fantastic. Um, now, what is sort of the minimum investment and how are you sort of approaching, um, you know, what kind of uh, investors you take in? Uh, let's talk about some of those uh, details.
1: Yeah. And so um on average, our average investment is in that two hundred and fifty k range, but we 've accepted investments you know smaller than that amount, and we have investors who invested in millions into the into the company so there there is a wide range i think more so than the amount is we are building a network in, in a community and so there are other ways that people can add value to us beyond the size of their, their check. You know, we obviously it's, it's good for them to have some sort of skin in skin in the game and in that way. But if they're telling us, Hey, look, I'm, I'm willing to serve as an advisor or as a mentor and, you know, put in some sweat, you know, equity um, we'll often size, take some of those, you know, smaller checks because we think that the, the person, the individual, would be a great add to the overall uh, overall network. But um, that uh, kind of community network, you know, aspect is so critical for us because not only from a way to support our portfolio, but many times those are the uh, individuals who are supporting our companies after they leave our program, right? Because they're. Right typically looking for 25, 50K, you know, checks. Now they've had a chance to really get to know the company through NextCubed and you mentioned my colleague Harut who, you know, heads up our investor relations, is in contact with all of our investors, keeping them updated on our portfolio. But since currently NextCubed, we're not doing any follow-on funding directly into the companies. Oftentimes it's our investor community who, They've now seen the company for four months. They went to demo day. They're the ones who are actually helping our companies get funded um, post-graduation. And as a result of this model, we've been able to um, help our companies have raised over, you know, $100 million either during or after our program. So on average, we've we've done 80 investments. So on average, our companies are raising about a million, you know, dollars, which you know, again, for where they are and what they need, that's a great bridge for them to then go out and raise that their first Series A, you know, type type round. So, um, yeah, I hope that I ran. Yeah, no, that, that's absolutely job. that's
0: fantastic because uh, <clears throat> investors are looking. You know, once they get to know the company, the CEO, see them for four months, they want to build that relationship and once they have that relationship they you know they're happy to invest keep continue to support that company mm-hmm. after they leave nextcube so uh yeah. that that's a fantastic model um as far as investors what else should we know about the structure and about you know the process that they go through
1: yeah i think you know if, if you think about it as a as a index fund etf type model where like you said it's not a blind pool you get to see what's in the port portfolio whether you invest day one or today you are going to gain a piece of of all of that and then everything we're doing into the future um, and so that uh ability to hedge your bets if you will if you are looking to start investing in this early class you get an opportunity to get curated deal flow you know over it you know almost 80 investments in the portfolio to date and we're you know add as we add more cohorts that number will uh will increase and then it's, you know, are you looking to do direct, you know, direct deals and you'll have the opportunity to really um, pick and choose the ones that you, you like, that you want to continue to, to support and you'll have access to those deals in, in a way that you wouldn't have if you were just, you know, out on the, you know, coming in cold. Um, and right. so our, our portfolio know that kind of the first folks that they need to, answer the door for or you know friends of the uh, friends of the program and you know oftentimes we're the ones who are helping to facilitate those those interactions um so i would say for the investor that's looking to mitigate their their risk by and and wants to gain exposure to kind of seed seed stage deals that this index fund type you know structure gives them a way to you know, dip their toe in the water and then look for other opportunities to to double down.
0: Absolutely, fantastic. Um, So now let's go back to the founders a little bit because I have the final question for you. And I ask all of the investors this last question because I think it's so important for uh, for founders who are listening to this uh, to walk away with an action step. Um, So what is the most important thing that the founders need to have or have done uh, before they reach out to next you, uh, that, that's the, you know, the one thing that you look for in that first conversation, if they haven't done it, you know, that's a, The conversation's over right, right off the bat. Um, so what is that one thing for you?
1: Yeah, for me, and it, it could be <laughs> different for some of my colleagues who are also on the, um, uh, the investment committee. Uh, but I would say like really know your business. Like you, understanding the your markets, understanding your competition, and not that it's you're you're saying, hey, we don't have any composition or or um you know we've we've kind of you know figured everything out so don't you don't need to worry about it. It's being the expert on what you're doing. And I think sometimes that it seems a little almost over oversimplified, but um we're approaching it saying, yes, we have it pretty good understanding but we're not living this day to day and you need to be living it 24 7 and if you are then there's probably you should know more about it than than we do um and so when we ask questions it's not like in a way to to play gotcha it's just more to get an understanding like what are you seeing because you know you're the one who decided that there was a real problem that needed to be solved so tell us about where you got that intel and data, and what's what's really driving you? So, I would put that one A, and then one B. If I could add a, add another one, absolutely. Is, like, what is really driving you to to do this? Um, mm-hmm. Because this is a really hard journey, it's, as we all know. Entrepreneurship isn't easy, so if it's if there's not a, a, a personal motivation again, this is me speaking for me (laughs) that there's a, not a personal motivation that's beyond kind of dollars and cents. I get a little concerned that when times get a little bit tough, you know, folks will just say, ah, you know, I gave it a good, a good effort. But if you have a personal motivation, like whether you're getting involved in, you know, FinTech around financial inclusion or healthcare, because you had somebody who was impacted by some sort of healthcare, like, That just additional motivation, I think, can often help carry people through when times get challenging, which we all know that they will.
0: Absolutely. No, that's fantastic advice. And both of those points are such great points. Uh, Do your homework, get to know the industry that you're in. And second, have that motivation because things are going to get hard. And I agree with you. Things always get hard and you have to have that stamina and that uh, drive to sort of push through that. Um, uh, Marlon, thank you so much for coming on today. Uh, such fantastic advice, uh, for founders. Uh, I, I love what you're doing with the structure with investors also. And, uh, thank you for sharing that story with us. I really appreciate it. No,
1: thanks for having me.